ahead and invite you to pray with me. Uh, gracious and holy God, uh, we give you such thanks on this day for the gift of your spirit, uh, for the ways that you continue to move in us, in the world, the ways that you bring uh, your holy word to life for us each and every time we turn to it. God, we ask you to do that once more this day um, as we come to the story uh, that tells the birth of your church. Um, we ask that you would enliven it for us um, as we hear it, uh, that you would enliven us as we seek to live in response to it. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. So our scripture comes from Acts 2, verses 1 to 21 and 38 to 41. I am reading out of the translation of scripture called The Message this morning. Let's listen for God's word for us this day. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, and the Lamanites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What is going on here? Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up and, backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get the story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. 
Peter then goes on to preach the gospel to them. And in response, the crowds ask him, Brother, what then should we do? Peter said in response, Change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our master God invites. He went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can, get out of this sick and stupid culture. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So the disciples have been waiting. It's been over a week since Jesus has left them. And just before he did, the disciples look around them and asked, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Which was their equivalent of a question that likely sits deep inside our own hearts as we take a look around at the world today. Lord, are you finally going to fix all of this mess? We look out upon the world and y'all, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming when we let ourselves take in the pain, the suffering, the injustice we see all over the place. When Jesus was born, there were similar forces at play. And his disciples had spent three years traveling with him, watching his power at work to bring healing, to cast out what was evil, to mend what was broken, to bring life out of death. And they had been waiting, waiting for that moment when he unleashed that power fully, not just on individuals or a particular community, but upon all. Yet that moment didn't come. Just as they thought, surely this is the time, as Jesus made that triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that city of power with the crowds cheering him along the road, that path ends up taking Jesus to the last place they thought it would lead. He makes his way to the cross and is crucified like a common criminal. I think they have been bewildered since that time. Even as they witness the resurrection, as they once again watch Jesus' power at work, as he conquered even death, they are unsure of what is happening and what it will mean for them. They long for an end to the pain and the suffering, the injustice that plagued their people. So they ask the question as Jesus prepares to leave them, Lord, is now the time? Is this finally the moment Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Their questions echoes in our own hearts. Lord, is now the time? Is this finally the moment? Are you finally going to fix all of this mess? Jesus responds to that question 
telling them it is not their business to know the time. Instead, what is their business is this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And then he was gone and the disciples remained bewildered and more than a little afraid. They stick together, locking themselves in an upper room in Jerusalem, waiting to receive a gift, having no idea how it will come. Until it did. With the rush of a mighty wind that filled the whole building where they had been waiting, and a spirit that filled each of them, spreading like wildfire, moving them from that upper room where they had been hiding out into the streets, the neighborhoods of Jerusalem. The power of the Holy Spirit, it equipped them. It allowed them to speak the mother tongue, the native language of each person they met. They were able to meet the people of Jerusalem who came from all different walks of life, different nations and peoples. They were able to meet the people of Jerusalem right where they were and speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ's love and grace in a way that they could hear it, in a way that they could receive it. The Spirit changed them from bewildered, fearful, uncertain people into called, trusting, empowered witnesses. The Spirit gave them the power to bring about change in the people around them. This day, Pentecost Day, is marked as the birth of the Christian church. The gift of the Spirit to the disciples and the impact that Spirit made on day one as they moved into the world. 3,000 people added to the community. 3,000 people committed to the apostles' teaching, life together, the common meal, and prayers. This is where we look when we wonder when and how the church was born. Y'all, we've been thinking and talking about baptism for seven weeks now. We've been reminded that when we pass through the waters of baptism, we participate in Christ's death and Christ's resurrection. What is old-serving and ill-fitting, what causes harm and destruction, gets drowned out of us. So that what is good and true, what is beneficial and life-giving, can take root can grow, can flourish, can bear fruit in the world. Y'all, the church, the church in our times, could use a call back to these waters. As the world is changing rapidly around us, I think so many in the church are like the disciples in that upper room, bewildered, fearful, uncertain. 
the church needs to remember its baptism. Needs to once more have those baptismal waters drown out what is old-serving and ill-fitting, what causes harm and destruction, so that there is room for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's love and grace to take root once more, to grow and flourish, to bear fruit in the world. The church has to trust what it cannot see, but if it allows itself, can feel. The church needs to trust the rush of the mighty wind, the movement of the spirit that will not leave it as it is, but will change it, transform it. The church cannot be a people who stays cloistered behind closed doors, The church must, in the Spirit's power, move out into the streets and neighborhoods, speaking the mother tongue of all they meet, meeting people right where they are, and speaking God's love and grace into their lives in a language they can hear and receive. The church needs to let the Spirit move so that it might be changed, be born once more. So that instead of a bewildered, fearful, and uncertain people, the church becomes a community of called, trusting, empowered witnesses. Y'all, this particular church, this particular body of believers, we have lived through our own season of waiting But the Spirit has been blowing through here for some time now. It's been spreading like a wildfire in our midst, and we are being changed. We are being called to move out into the neighborhood to speak and act and live God's love and grace, not for our benefit, but in service to our neighbors and the God who loves us all. On that first Pentecost day, Peter quoted the prophet Joel who said, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Here is a truth I deeply believe. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. In you. Each and every one of you gathered here in this room, each and every one of you that is gathered online, each and every one that will gather for worship at Harvest Table tonight, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. And this church. This community of disciples is stepping into new life once more. The church is being empowered to go out into the streets and neighborhoods to be a witness. A witness to the love and grace of Jesus Christ and the ways that love, that grace, changes everything. So, as you feel led... And as you feel comfortable, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come forward to the font uh, where we earlier reaffirmed our baptismal vows. I invite you to come forward um, 
as you feel led and are comfortable, to be anointed. Anointed with oil in the sign of the cross, an act we do at each baptism to mark the gift of the Spirit, its presence, and its work in you. May we remember our baptisms and be thankful. May we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in us.